Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking with Mr. Javad Malik, who is the lead security awareness advocate at Know Before. And we're going to be talking about, you know, how to do security awareness training, what works, what doesn't, and some of the best practices related to, um, you know, training people and letting them understand uh, what they should be looking out for, what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing when they're confronted with unknown situations like, you know, business e emails that um, look a little bit fishy. But before we do all that, um, let's say hi to Javad. Javad, how are you today? Oh, I'm very good. Thank you. And uh, thank you for having me on your, on your show. My pleasure. Uh, where about you located? I'm based in London, UK. Oh, great. I'm in Seattle, so we have very similar weather. Uh, and <laughs> has, the, have, has, the, has the rainy season started for you? It has. It has. Yesterday, last night, there was a, a quite a big uh, thunderstorm. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, officially rainy season. Uh, situation normal. Yeah. So we, it's, it's weird that um, we had this uncharacteristically dry September and forest fires and everything. In fact, three, four days ago, we had the worst air quality in the world, um, which Seattle is not really known for. Uh, we're known for, you know, blue skies when the sun's out and lots of trees. But the rain came in and it's here. It's here now. <laughs> so the fires are out and uh, <laughs> situations back to normal. So, hey, um, I got to ask you, like, uh, you know, when it comes to cybersecurity, oftentimes people want to talk about, uh, you know, SIMs and um, intrusion detection systems and different types of technology. But really, you know, one of the most important things is the human element. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I don't think that one is more important than the other. I think both of them go hand in hand, your, your tech side and the human side. But um, it, it's a bit like, I mean, the, one of the analogies I like to use is you could have the best cooked food in the world, but if it's like just slopped down on a plate uh, and you're given like a, a fork, uh, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. But you could have, but so, so the presentation, the, the way it's delivered to you, I'm talking about a restaurant, not, not in your home. But, <laughs> but uh, no, you know, in the home, I have no choice. I have to eat it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the home, whatever's there, I'm just glad there's food. But uh, <laughs> in a restaurant, you, you you have this certain expectation that, you know, the, the whole experience, you want it to be a, a pleasant one, a nice one. And that's what, what creates that extra feeling of this is something special. And this is what we see in, in, in cybersecurity. Like, yeah, the tech stack makes a, is, is vitally important. But then if people are using it wrong or they don't understand what the limitations of the technology are or they don't understand what implications their actions can have, then you know, we, we, we've only solved half the problem. Yeah. So it's, it's funny you use that analogy because last, um, this weekend I just watched or rewatched the Taiwan movie called eat, drink, man, woman. Um, and it's primarily, well, it's, it's about a lot of things, but one of the things is about food and a huge part of the food, cause this is set in Taiwan is the presentation. So <laughs> just <laughs> kind of weird that that kind of came out, but, um, I totally agree with you there. Um, basically, I mean, uh, training goes hand in hand with having the right tool sets. When, when you, when you talk about training, 
Um, are you talking about training for the frontline people? Or are you talking about training for the your executive suite? Or are you talking about training for just your security team? Oh, I, I'm talking about training everybody. I, I think everybody has has their part to play. Uh, the the type of training you give people might might vary slightly, but you know uh, we we've seen like criminals just need one small foothold into your organization, and they will attack your your execs in one way, your your security team in another way, and you know your 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 other colleagues in in other departments in another way. So we need to make everyone aware of the kind of issues that are out there, and 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 I and I do say that make them aware. We, we're not. I don't think. I think the mistake, one of the mistakes a lot of people make is they try to make everyone a security expert. And that's not what the intention here at all is. It's how do you just make people aware enough that they can spot something that looks a bit fishy and how to report it. That's all we're asking them to do. We're not trying to get them to forensically analyze the links or anything. Just say, hey, if this looks a bit weird, just report it. And, and how do you do that? that's a that's a great that's a million dollar question isn't it and uh, <laughs> I, I think one place where a lot of organizations start is they would say okay well phishing is the number one sort of like most popular way because it's so cheap and free and accessible to every criminal and wannabe criminal uh, let's send out some simulated phishing emails to our staff and let's see if any of them fall for it and if they fall for it we'll we'll, we'll give them some education and the problem with that approach as a, as a concept is that um, how do people feel once they've been quote unquote tricked by one of your emails? And this is the key point. I think if, if people feel like they've been tricked or duped or the security team is just being the security team again, then they're going to you know put get defensive about everything and you're not going to build good relations. So I think that the, the primary thing is how do you build good relations with your employees first before you even send that first phishing email? Let them know that this is something you're going to do, why you're going to do it, what to expect from it. And and that can build up that relationship where people feel like we're doing this together. And uh, I, I was reading this this research done by, well, it's a survey done by an um, international hotel chain. And they do a customer satisfaction survey. Uh, so after every stay, they'll say, but on a, on a scale of one to five, how was your check-in? How was your breakfast? How was your bed? How was your TV? You know, all, all that kind of stuff. And what they found was that people that had a pleasant check-in experience, they, they rated it high, they scored everything else higher as a result compared to someone that had a poor check-in experience. So that initial contact makes such a big difference because that sets the tone in your mind as to how you perceive that that hotel going forward. And well, 100%. I mean, because, I mean, that's kind of some, I want to call it basic psychology, but it is psychology. It's, um, you know, that's the affirmation bias and cognitive dissonance all play into that. Once, it's like why stand-up comedians, when they go up on stage, they have to get that first laugh right mm -hmm. away because then people say, oh, this is a funny guy. And once I've said to myself, he's a funny guy or funny gal, Everything else, I want to, I want to kind of, you know, affirm that, you know, or confirmation, confirm that, whatever. And um, and it's funny you use that example because I just had like one of the worst checking experiences ever, and um, I, it, it it was just like this massively long line. Okay, I was exhausted. The parking was literally 20 minutes away from the front desk, 
and I had to, you know, I had a, a couple different things that I had to, cause it was a, a work event. So I had like a, some stuff for our booth. So I had to go back and forth to the car, long line to check in. The keys didn't work. I had to go back and they're like, uh, <laughs> and I hated that hotel. I was there for four days. I, no matter what they did after that, they were, they were screwed. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. <laughs> go ahead. No, Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and this works everywhere. It's like, it's like when you, when you check into your airplane or the, how the security is at the airport, it, it all affects you. And, uh, and this is it. I, I mean, I, I say to people like, okay, what is the first point? that your security team has interaction with with employees or, or your colleagues. And if it's like, oh, during induction week, we subject them to coffee, donuts, and a 50-minute PowerPoint, or the, the first time someone actually hears from us is when we slap them on the wrist for doing something wrong, or most likely we're in a project and we're the department of no saying you can't have this, you can't have that, then that will set up the the relationship going forward. And that's something we really need to work on as as a as an industry working within these organizations. So, so what are some best practices in terms of messaging? I, I, I totally agree with you. It's important to tell, explain to people, one, cybersecurity is everybody's responsibility. It's not just, you know, the people back in the IT team or that subset of the IT team. It's everybody's awareness, just like at the end of the day, profitability is every, excuse me, everybody's responsibility. So everybody needs to be aware and, and everybody thinks these take responsibility. But like you said, we're not expecting you to do anything super techie or anything like that. We just want you to be aware. How do you message that? And like, how often do you message it? Um, what's the most effective way to just, because I mean, you know, you got to realize that everybody's bombarded with all kinds of messages and, and all kinds of training. You know, you got to do your anti-money laundering training. You got to do your uh, diversity awareness training. You got, you know, it's just, and then you've got your job specific training. So you're competing for Mindshare. Um, how do you do it in an effective way? Yeah, I, I think one of the key key things we can do is like, Obviously, there's the compliance side, which forces us to do some level of training and, and record it. But I think beyond that, I think we need to think less like trainers and more like marketers and just be um, be really specific as to what key behaviors are we looking to change. I think it's it's a, if you if you think you can teach everybody about every risk out there at the same time, uh, you're going to really, really confuse people. So I think look through your incident logs in the last couple of years and see what was the main root cause of majority of your incidents. What was it spear phishing? Was it maybe people plugging in USBs that they shouldn't? Was it people walking into the office and without a badge or being uh, not challenged? Whatever that might be. I say just pick the one or two that are really top of your list and spend a year just focusing on those. And think of it like a marketing campaign, just really small but frequent you know, micro training almost that that you can do, and 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 I think that has more impact because what you see is that especially if you do it across different channels. So don't don't just make everything a a video module that you need to watch, but you know have something as a screensaver, give people mouse mats or put them as posters over the the the, the common areas where the coffee machines and what have you. And and what what you'll start to see from that is that slowly people begin to change the behavior and not everyone but some people will and once you identify those people you can start working with them more they can become effectively your your security champions or your security advocates within the organization and when when you have a few people within the organization start exhibiting a certain behavior that then has that 
that knock-on effect on on other people around you. Um, I, I I read this trick that some restaurants do, is that if if you if they see a group a large group at, at one, come in, like say a work party has come in, there's ten of them at one table, they put a table of two next to them, and for the table of two, they'll actually bring out their best dessert, complimentary, like massive, like oh know, my god, free. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, and the whole idea is that they know one of them from the table of ten will look over and say, they look great. Let's have a round of those over here. So they've suddenly upsold. So so the power of that, like, you know, monkey see, monkey do is is, is not to be underestimated. And and we can really leverage that from a psychological perspective as uh, to, to raise that security behavior change and, uh, you know, ultimately create that culture of security. I, I like that that marketing approach. That's that's a, that's awesome. Hey, so so um, let's let's talk about like you know real world actions and practicalities. What does you know once you've created awareness, like hey, we're going to be cybersecurity is important. Um, here's why it's important, and we're going to be doing uh, an ongoing kind of campaign of training and awareness. Then what does it actually look like? So 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 that looks in 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 many ways that looks slightly different depending on the type of organization you have and the type of overall culture so some organizations they're very chatty organizations they're very like humor driven or what have you and others are more conservative and what have you so so you need to pick the the tone and style that that matches that but i'd say uh, you know once you understand what behaviors you want to do baseline them so you have some metric or some measurement as to how bad it is. And and so that's where, so for example, if, if, you, if you're targeting phishing, run a simulated phishing campaign, see how many people respond to it. And that gives you the baseline. Okay, 30% of our organization is going to click or for, potentially fall for a phishing email. Okay, so that's that's your starting point and you can record that. Then roll out your campaign where maybe once uh, every six weeks, you're going to randomly send out phishing emails. And then on top of it, you're going to do some uh, some micro learning as to like, okay, if you see something fishy, just just report it. And this is the way to report it. And then you have those posters everywhere. It's almost like the, what is it? See it, say it, report it or or, or whatever you see on the under underground over here or, uh, you know, around the world, you normally see it like, you know, anti-terror type, type of messaging that people have. If, if you suspect something to be a bomb, just dial 911 or, or whatever it is and 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 report it so layering that message uh, over over a period of time across your different channels that you have available and uh, and then rebaseline after three months after six months after 12 months and you should see that percentage coming to improving and and if it doesn't improve then you know there's clearly something you need to adjust or tweak in in terms of your messaging um one thing that you that some organizations do to great success is actually involve their their comms team internally to help them work out what the best way is because every and and for smaller companies sometimes it's okay you can just send out your communications directly but especially larger orgs with you know lots of lots of different departments across different uh, geographies you need to be a bit sensitive to the different you know approaches and and comms teams are normally really good they say okay for this country we, we should just put it on sharepoint or, or or you know our intranet page or something for for this area we have a town hall every month let let's let's announce it there so so you know the tools are all there i, th I think it's it's not like a, a problem where we're 
where we lack the tools. It, it's really the implementation and just keep it like consistent. So people are just uh, reinforced with those messages over that period of time. And you should see that change in behavior. Great. Do you, um, do you typically work with security teams or do you typically go in and work with, you know, the compliance team or is it HR learning and development? I mean, who, who, what's your point of entry into most organizations? Uh, it really varies. So, um, in, in, in some countries, so like in, 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 in North America, for example, it's a, a lot of it is, I, I'd say more heavily leaning towards the security teams in, in other parts of the world. So what in Australia, for example, it's, it's largely led by HR teams. Um, and then you have like, you know, a variety of entry points everywhere. Um, the, so it, it really depends on who's, who's in charge. But um, depending on who who's doing it, it the, the the sort of like from our end, the education for them becomes slightly different because oftentimes people are, are told by a regulator or something that oh you need to do some sort of security awareness training. They'll look up a vendor, say okay, that meets our criteria, that will get us that that tick box, and and that's fine. But you know as as you know providers in this area, we have a responsibility to say hey okay you can tick your box, but really you know, we, we want to go above and beyond that because this helps people not just in the workforce, but also at home and with their friends and family and, you know, everything like that. Actually, that's a, that's a really good point that there is a, some carry on effect there because, you know, we, we're all colleagues or employees, but we're also just individuals and, and family members and we, we need to protect our, our stuff. So, um, you know, since you're active in, in um, many different countries, I'm, I'm wondering if you see any differences in terms of one cyber awareness and two the willingness or openness for training um, across different uh, geographies uh, yeah that's a that's a really great uh, great question because uh, we do and um, we, we actually publish an annual uh, report um, fishing by industry benchmark report which actually breaks down the industries and the geographies around the world and so you'll see like um, areas like uh, Europe, they, they're they sort of like quite a lot more focused on the culture piece. So they, they've got, so, so when you break it down to the ABC, the awareness, behavior and culture, um, they, they're quite um, understanding as to like the awareness piece that's been for, for years from starting from compliance and what have you, and, and they're, they're changing behaviors and now they want to work out how to create that culture. So that's kind of like where we go in with um, over there. Uh, other areas, they're they're very much compliance driven. So you know, so some of the, the the Far East countries, they're they're like very, you know, okay, compliance says this, we have to do it, and and for them, it's a very easy sort of rollout approach. They this is mandatory, everyone must do it, and they do it. Uh, in in the US, we 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 have like different um, sort of like organisations. There's a lot of awareness and behaviour still there. There's a lot of um, sort of like um, that that basic level, especially in the SMB market space. You can see. You know, a lot of people are still trying to work out, you know, for, for, for many of them, it's their first um, exposure to, to cybersecurity as a discipline. So you have one IT person who's managing the IT and responsible for security and responsible for, you know, watering the plants uh, during this lunch break. So so it, it, it really does uh, vary uh, depending on the organization size. But geography wise, we also see this this distinct uh, approach to how people react to these messaging. Excellent. And. I, I'm I'm assuming that, I mean, you measure your performance based upon, like, for example, if you do a phishing campaign, 
uh, you can see, you know, the percentage of emails that were opened or clicked on or something like along those terms. Do you have any other kind of measurement uh, criteria that you look at? Yeah, so um, the, I mean, phishing uh, click-through rates is is a really popular one. That that that's one of the ones that everyone starts with. But uh, the reporting criteria, I think, is one of the the key ones. It's the important ones. It's like so so know before we we provide something that's called the fish uh, alert button, uh, which is like a a sort of plugin that goes into your Outlook or Gmail. So when a when a user receives an email that they think is a phished email, they just click the button and it takes it out of their inbox and sends it to the security team. And then they can investigate it and then they can either send it back if it's clean or they can withhold it if it's if it's a fish. Um, so so measuring how many people actually report an email and then how many of those are accurate reports for, for real phishing emails versus not, uh, that that is a, a key, key metric. Because ultimately that's the... When you think about all the out of all the behaviors, that's the one behavior we want. We want people to to report, and um, you know, there's a strong case for like whether they even understand the why uh, to the behavior is kind of secondary. It's a bit, it's a bit like when I go to throw out rubbish in the bins, and there's a recycling bin and a waste bin and a cardboard bin. Uh, I will separate them out. Does it really matter whether I understand if my actions are saving the polar bears or stopping the polar ice caps from melting or, or reducing global warming? Not really. Um, as long as I'm carrying out the action, if that behavior is being done, then that's mission accomplished. And, and, and this is where I think it goes back to like, we're, we're not trying to make everyone a security expert. We just want them to adopt certain behaviors in, in the right way. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm just curious, like, do you see the threat landscape evolving at all? And if so, how does your training evolve to kind of match the threat landscape? And if it is evolving, what are you seeing as like the, the biggest, you know, areas of concern? Yeah, the, the threat landscape is is always evolving, isn't it? It's it's never really static. As, as soon as we plug one hole, there's like, you know, three others emerge. And and so what, one of the things we, we start seeing a lot of is kind of like layered or multi-channel attacks that come in. And so as people say, for example, get better at spotting a phishing email. So I send you an email saying, hey, Mark, it's Netflix and uh, your credit card's expiring. Click here to update it. You're probably getting better at spotting that. But if I send you... you, you you're the one that sent that email. <laughs> I get that like three times a week. <laughs> <laughs> it was a test. It was a test. <laughs> but, but you, you know, it's it's like if I send you an SMS first and say, hey, you're, uh, this is Netflix. Uh, you know, there's, there's an issue with your account. We'll be sending you communication. And then we send you that email. You're, you're more likely to fall for it because there's more effort going into the prepping of it. And you're like, well, surely it's coming through one channel and then another channel who, you know, surely only they know my details and, and that kind of thing. And, and, we, and we've seen those kinds of things work really effectively recently against MFA attacks where, where there's the MFA fatigue type of attack where someone's got your ID and password. They're, they're, they're trying to sign in and you're getting the pop up, the, the push notifications on your phone saying, do you want to log in? And you say, no, 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 no. And you're getting really fed up. And then you receive a WhatsApp message saying, hello, this is your security team. Um, there's an issue with your with, with some profiles. So if you're getting these pop-ups, just click yes and it will go away. And at that point, oh. you're so fed up. You'll be like, <laughs> okay. And you click yes. And that's game over. That, that 
that's how criminals are getting into organizations now. So those sneaky, low down criminals, man. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, multi layered attacks. That's uh, God. And, and you know, it's it's funny because you, if you think about it from their side, it's just a numbers game, right? They're like, hey, let's try this, and and if they, if they get one guy like me or you that clicks and says yes per day they're 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 go they're golden they're wherever they're sitting in eastern europe or russia not to stereotype those places but i'm just saying <laughs> wherever wherever they're sitting they could be sitting here in the us um they're they've they've made their day's wages right there it's uh, pretty pretty scary actually mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and so uh, uh, go yeah, ahead sorry Oh no! Uh, the the other thing I think we're we're going to see more of in in the future is uh, use of deepfake technology to try and muddy the waters a bit more. So we're already seeing, or we've already heard of a few instances where people have claimed that a voice deepfake was used to impersonate someone on the phone, and so they believed they were speaking to the CEO or whoever, and that's why they they made a payment to it to someone, and you know that it wasn't the CEO. Um, so and how so do you get around that? I mean, you know, because I, I, everybody gets this, the, the email from the CEO saying, hey, I need you to urgently, you know, run down to Target and buy 50 gift cards for this event that we're having and uh, let me know when you're done. And the guy goes like, oh, I'm new at the company. I, I better go do it, right? I mean, we all know that. But, like, if you get a phone call from the CEO or somebody pretending to be the CEO, impersonating the CEO, how do you uh, – what are some best practices to kind of work your way through that? Yeah. So so I think what one thing is, like, we – it it you need to have the processes set in beforehand. So as an organization, you need to say, okay, for any new payments or any new weird sort of like gift cards or uh, changing a payment detail, there needs to be a process that you follow. So the request needs to be entered into your your finance system and it needs to be approved by somebody else. So it's not a single person that can actually fall for it. You have to like get into the system and you have to convince two or three people that this is legitimate and and that's how it goes through so i think having that process in place is is really important and and the second thing is like if even if someone's followed the process or regardless of whether you have that in place or even if they come directly you should have a way that something can get challenged or queried or or checked through a second channel so if even if the ceo phones phones you up and says like hey do this there should be a way where you can like, okay, maybe I'll slack the their their PA or e, or EA or someone and say, hey, did they send me this message? Are they actually getting on a flight right now? Um, you know, all, all those kinds of things, so that you can go through that process and say, okay, this is the thing. It it's a lot easier to in these situations to to ask for forgiveness later than to actually go through with it and and potentially cause cause damage to to well financially and and reputationally. Totally agree. And it's it's funny, though, that that sense of urgency, like you mentioned, hey, I'm getting onto a plane. Um, I need, I, I'm not going to be in touch for a while, but, before, you know, I need you to get this done so that when I arrive, it's already there or whatever it is. Right. And that sense of urgency, especially when you get somebody new to the company, um, I had a situation. Uh, it wasn't too, too long ago that uh, we just had a new hire person was reporting to me and they got an email from the CEO or it looked like it was from the CEO. Uh, it was a, a sp spoofed uh, email address, but it, it, it looked very, very much like the CEO's email. Say, so, hey, you know, welcome to the team. Da, 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 da. Um, I, I have this situation I need your help help on. And 
it was basically, you know, go out and buy gift cards, which is, it's bizarre that, you know, cause I mean, how many people, how many companies do that? But the person joining the company, it was their first job out of university. And so they don't know what's normal, what's not normal. And, uh, but they did the smart thing. Um, they forwarded the email to me and saying, Hey, how should I respond to this? And I was like, I got it. <laughs> 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 yeah. Let's say, first off, let's look at the email address and it looks like it's from the CEO, but if you look closely, it's not, but good job forwarded it to me. And, um, and you know, and, and, so, and that's what you want. And, and that person <laughs> actually hadn't any, hadn't had any training. And it kind of makes me think that, uh, younger people these days, probably, you know, the digital natives probably in general have a certain amount of awareness where like older generation people like me were, you know, all this whole internet thing is all kind of new, right? I lived half my life without anything called mm -hmm. an internet or a, a mobile phone. So we kind of had to learn security on the fly where digital natives this whole like you know awareness of what you post on social media and and you know being a little bit suspicious of of kind of unknown emails and things like that they're it's probably kind of baked into them a bit i mean do you see that at all any kind of generational difference yeah yeah the, i mean it, it's weird i think that there is definitely a generational difference um i i just think that um older people are like depending on which generation you're from you've just fallen for different types of attacks so there's certain trigger points that will get older people a lot easier, but they won't get younger people uh, or, or the digital natives, as, as you rightly call them. Uh, but then there are certain things that digital natives are, are way too comfortable about sharing online or, 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 or you know, allowing uh, or trusting certain apps or, or certain mediums more than others. And uh, so, so they'll fall more, more for, like, likely fall for those. But so, you know, it's it's not that I think any group is completely immune, but um, the the way the attacks currently come in, uh, I think digital natives in in majority of cases can can spot them a, a lot better, or they they can be a bit more suspicious of them. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that um, kind of cons concerns me—I'm not sure if that's the right word—but I, I I'm aware of is. I see people posting pictures that when they're on vacation, for example, and these are real time. And so like, hey, look at us. We're, we're going to be in Cancun for the next week. This is awesome. <laughs> and basically, you've just told anybody who's anybody and everybody that you're not at home, you know. <laughs> so um, I, I, I see stuff like that or, you know, posting uh, stuff about your company, things like that. What what are your let's, let's just say you're going to give three pieces of advice and I know that, you know, it, it really is dependent upon the audience, but let's just say in general, three pieces of advice um, in terms of cybersecurity awareness and, you know, protection. Oh, three pieces of advice. This is a hard one. So um, let me think. I think the first thing that I would say is it's okay to come across as rude. Uh, a lot of us fall for scams because we are overly polite. So, you know, we see someone in the office without a badge. We've never seen them before, but we feel a bit awkward to either challenge them or to even report them because we think it's it's socially unacceptable. Um, same thing. That's, you know what? I, mean, I, I love that, yeah. that you brought that up because so many times we think about cybersecurity and we we forget about the physical element of it. And it's it's hugely important. It's massively. Yeah. <laughs> but continue, please. Yeah, yeah. And and I think same thing when, when someone phones you up and they say, hello, I'm from Microsoft. There's a problem with it. Don't don't be afraid just to hang up. It, it's not being rude. It's you just setting those 
that, that security controls around you. If it's something really important, you you can you can always find it out later. So 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 that's what I'd say. Number one. Uh, number two, I'd say you know. I'm trying to think that based on what, what we just spoke about, about people oversharing online, I think it's really hard to convince people to reduce their digital footprint uh, because a lot of people are just addicted to these apps where they like to share what they're up to and where they are and, and what they're eating and what have you. But what I would say is that... Isn't that funny? Is it so bizarre, right? It, it is. <laughs> hey, it is. Hey, look at my tacos, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm... Well, I mean, what, what, what weird world are we living in, man? <laughs> Honestly, I, I, yeah, this is turning into like the, the old men shout at cloud. Uh, episode yeah, now, yeah. But, <laughs> but no honestly, it's funny I, because i lived in japan for six years and <laughs> and that is like for, for for japanese and and i don't even care if it's a stereotype but in japan it's incredibly like common and popular to share pictures of your meal okay <laughs> it's just like yeah 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 and, and it happens over here as well like you go to the restaurant and the food comes out on this massive platter and like you see people like, no, 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 we, we're not touching the food yet. We have to do a full photo shoot to, to, to share. Wait, wait, on right, right, we're past the phone to the wait, the wait staff and say, hey, can you get a picture of us? Yeah, <laughs> with, yeah, with yeah, the food? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'd say like I think it's 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 uh, not a lot of value in saying reduce your online footprint. But what I will say is if you're not legally obliged to tell the truth, uh, lie when you're online. And what I mean by that is don't use your real name uh, as in, in all your profiles. Um, use a shortened name. Use a misspelt name. Um, don't tell what don't actually say where you're based. Don't say I live in London. Say, you know, name a place just outside of London or, or something. But you, you told me you're in London. Now I'm now I'm getting a little bit suspicious. Man. Yeah. Yeah. You, you <laughs> is this really too bad? <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, no, I, I think it's it's. Um, it's it's just like these little things. What what they can do is, they can just help uh, prevent people from when they use their automated tools to try and build up a profile to cross connect your identities. It just becomes that difficult, and and I think just making it a little bit more difficult for criminals is is uh, is in most cases good enough for for a lot of us. Um, you know, obviously I would say try not to post so much or or try to restrict who can view those things. But if you can't do that, then at the very least. Um, you know, because your friends know will know who you are, and and they can follow you. And for strangers, if they're just interested in your content, that they don't really care who you really are technically. So um, I'd, I'd say just just don't be afraid to lie a bit online. Okay, and, that's the first time I've heard that, but I but it makes a lot of sense. Um, and then and then in terms of I mean because you know I mean I I haven't seen the latest statistics, but it's you know the the majority of most compromises uh, for organizations originate from some type of business email compromise uh, attempt. Uh, what advice would you give in terms of spotting bogus emails? Uh, yeah, I, I think like, like uh, you, you mentioned earlier, it's it, a lot of it is about the emotion. And the, the thing that differentiates a lot of uh, the, any sort of phishing scam like or any BC email is that there's always trying to put in place some sort of urgency. They're trying to like come from a position of authority. It's something catastrophic is going to happen if you don't um, do this right now. So there, there's a lot of emotion. They try to put pressure on you. They try to use some sort of tactics on you to get you into that emotional state. And uh, Daniel Kahneman, he wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. 
and uh, he, he he speaks about these two types of thinking we have this system one thinking which is like our monkey brain it's very efficient it's very quick it's also very emotional and then the system two thinking which is used for more uh, complicated tasks that, that we slow down we need to think about so if i say what's two or two i was like four that okay that's system one thinking if i say what's 17 multiplied by 300 okay that's system two thinking i need to think about that for a while um so the point of that is that when when a bc email comes in the whole thing is structured to keep you in system one thinking to make you feel emotionally uh, uh responsive to it at that point in time so so the first thing is, I think, is just a bit about mindfulness, about you know how are we perceiving this, how are we responding to this, and if we feel like anything comes in and tries to get us in an emotional state, uh, the best thing I'd say is that even if you're like a bit unsure whether to report it to security team, just turn to your colleague who's next to you, closer to you, or on Slack or whatever you, and just say, hey, this has come in, can you take a look at it? What 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 does your gut say? Because oftentimes when someone's not directly the recipient, they won't have that same emotional reaction and they can give you that that impartial advice. Say, well, well, this looks well, there's like these 50 red flags in this that I can see. Uh, let, let's just report this to the security team. That's some awesome advice there and uh, totally 100% agree. I, I just like to add that uh, sometimes the the emails, the attempts, aren't requests for you to do, you know, hey, go out and buy gift cards um, or, hey, I need you to transfer this money. I was actually uh, received an email, this is a few years back, for an order, um, you know, and I was, I'm responsible typically for, for business development at that time. And, and I got this order for, it was like 70 uh, Microsoft Surface, uh, Surface devices. Um, I think the, 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 the total came out to, I don't know, it was like close to a couple hundred thousand dollars. And, and I was like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, wait a minute, but who are these people? Like, I, you know, I typically, you know, I, on my radar, I'd have, and, um, but the, the PO looked super legit. I mean, I mean, you, we all see the, the poor quality phishing campaigns that come in and we're like, ah, this is funny. This is clearly, you know, not real, but the PO looked super legit. I actually called them uh to confirm and they're like oh yeah 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 but um here here's the deal we need you to ship them to this location here in portland because we're having this big project so i was like okay wait a minute so your office is here but i'm shipping them and then and then i did a, a research on that location and it was a hotel uh, mm -hmm. out near the airport and i was like this is kind of you know and then so i went online instead of calling the number on the po i actually went online found the company it was a legit company um, all everything on the PO was accurate except for the phone number. I called the, the the number on the website and asked to talk to the procurement team. And soon as the guy picked up the phone, he said, "It's a lie. Don't do it." <laughs> I mean, he would, so obviously we we weren't the first ones that got hit, um, and he was like hyper vigilant and aware that you know other people are out there and um, that that were receiving this. And it was just like, wow, man. I mean, I wonder, because again, it's just like if they get one shipment, uh, you know, of, 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 you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of laptops and they probably sell them on the, you know, whatever the back black market for half, but whatever, man. I mean, they're, they're done for the, you know, next month or two. And it's just like, you know, you just, a, a, a healthy dose, dose of skepticism 
is is really really important. If something looks like it's too good to be true, which like for me it was an unsolicited order for 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 all, you know all those de- devices, um, I was like, God, this is awesome. I mean, that was a different kind of emotion. That's not like the CEO making freaking me out. This is like me going like, Yeah, look at this. You know, <laughs> my yeah. commission's gonna be X. And uh, and 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 if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Makes sense. No. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this this is it. You're you're right. And you know, we always think about the fear as emotion, but this like, you know, elation or or greed. Like we we've seen people like with job offers that are too good to be true, and they're like, yes, and you know, they they like, <laughs> you know, spilling their company secrets in the interviews uh, or whatever. Wow. Um, there, there's even like romance scams are such a big thing where where criminals will target like people who are like probably like widows or, or, or widowers uh, and they're lonely they're at that stage of the life where maybe the kids have flown the nest and, and what have you uh, there, there's actually a case i read um just just a, a week or so ago there's a, a japanese lady uh, 65 years old who who fell in love with with someone online and uh, she was sending him money because apparently he was a russian astronaut on board the international space station and he oh wanted God. to meet her but he needed the money to afford the one-way return ticket to Earth. from space. Yes. <laughs> where where was he at? Uh, well, he was on the International Space Station, apparently. Yeah. Okay. So but, but we don't know where he actually was. But uh, but yeah, she over the, over the course of a few months, she's she ended up sending him near about thirty thousand dollars. Wow. Uh, before Poor she lady. before she went to the police and they they informed her that it was a scam. Well, it's it's funny because um, you know I lived in Japan for six years, and and this is kind of slightly off topic, but 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 related. The there, it's an incredibly safe country, okay, and you know very very low incidences or percentages of violent crime, very you know low uh, incidences of theft. But one thing they do have is these kind of social engineering. Um, grifts or or you know uh what's the word swindles and and because they have such a you know they have probably one of the oldest populations in the world and a lot of the people um they they, they're older they're vulnerable and you will have these people who will call them and impersonate a grandson a nephew a niece and say oh and then you know after about the third phone call they're like oh i need some money and it happens all the time and we only hear about the ones that get reported but you know obviously that's just the tip of the iceberg because some people one they they never figure out they were scammed two they figure out they were scammed but then what do they do about it right who do they talk to um so it's uh it's that's really sad but it's it's good that you and i and other people are out talking about it hopefully it creates awareness probably not in japan because they're not listening to this but um you know what i'm saying yeah 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 so hey javad um, I enjoy, enjoy talking with you. If people want uh, more information about No Before or to connect with you, because I think that you also do some blogging and you're, you know, your speaker, industry commentator, uh, where where should they go? What, what what should they look at? Yeah, so um, No Before is K N O W B E and then the number four dot com. It's one of those domains that's it's a brand name that is awesome, but it's a it's a it's a pain to spell out and and tell people <laughs> with the website. But that's a website, uh, knowbefore.com. And uh, if you want to follow me, I I do have my own website. It's uh, javadmalik.com. That's J A V V A D M A L I K. 
com, and over there you'll find links to all of my 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 youtube my tiktok my twitter my linkedin everything is is just on there so yeah stalk me awesome well hey javad um assuming that's your real name but uh <laughs> it was it was great great talking with you and i wish you a, a tremendous uh i guess remainder of 2022 thank you so much mark i uh, really appreciate it Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.